Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to all our listeners again. Um, Jazakallah for joining us. Um, obviously, you've seen the poster this week. It's The topic is on the importance of parents. We're actually joined uh, by a guest, um, one of the Um Obviously, we hear. I think one of the, this is one of them. This is one of them topics where people hear the title and oh, not this again. Or you know, they 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 tend to shy away from the topics because the the khidmat that we've got to do to our parents is so big. That people tend to ignore it, to be honest, or to to play it down. Um, so in this topic, we're obviously going to try and discuss the importance of the parents in general. The Islamic role of parents, children, the relationships, how that dynamic works, um, and obviously we should, inshallah, we'll touch on stories from the seerah of the Prophet to gain benefit and to gain an insight onto, you know, what's the what's the norm and what we should be aiming for. So I'm just going to ask Mulan Asab to obviously introduce himself before we actually dive into the topic. Inshallah. Just just before you do that, Jihan, um, a disappointed man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Niaz is also here again, but he's he's just a he's part of the fixtures now. Isn't he? We get about there every week. Yeah, so, uh, we're joined by Niaz again, inshallah, so my brother Niaz. So, um, yeah, I'll let, I won't let Niaz introduce himself. I'll let Mulan Asab first. All right, Zafar here for hosting me on this program. Uh, first of all, of course, um, as you may have heard from Brother Jihan over here, my name is Mulan Azulman. A lot of the residents of Sandalin may know me. Um, I'm a graduate from Dewsbury Madrasa. Jamiat uh, Alim al-Islam. Um, I joined Dewsbury Madrasa back in 2004. So uh, 2004, yeah. 2004, yes, <laughs> nearly 20 years actually. And it's, <laughs> it's the year I graduated. <laughs> I'm so old when I say this, you know, back in 2004. Making me feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my you're a senior scholars now. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so uh, I had the opportunity to attend Madrasa back in 2004, and I guess um, you know the reason I joined was quite. I, you could say my father was quite inspired by uh, one of the Molanas, one of the senior scholars in Sunderland. And, you know, like every other parent, they just want what's best for their children. Mm-hmm. And especially my father, I'm guessing, seeing the, the condition and the mahal of the environment, he wanted a lifestyle where I can adapt so I can better protect myself, not only for myself, and I can also benefit the family. And that is why, alhamdulillah, he entered me into the institute. and. Alhamdulillah, uh, as soon as I entered Madrasa, uh, instead of you taking the usual route where a lot of students do take, um, they do a hips class first and then, well, at least attempt to do hips class, then they go for Alim class. But as soon as I had the responsibilities of Hafiz, you know, uh, the daily uh, uh, recitation that you have to do, it's, it is a big responsibility. Of course, yeah. And there's huge repercussion for a person who doesn't. Um, is not able to maintain that uh, quota status um, so I kind of shied away from that responsibility and I took the easy route and just went into <laughs> Alim class and then as soon as I went into Alim class I hear it's a nine years course yeah. and from a, from a 12 year old perspective you're 12 years old so yeah. is that how you're old? yeah that's how old I was uh, 12 years old I went into Thornhill for about one and a half years so at year seven and a bit of year, year eight and before you know, was taken out. This was Thornhill back in two thousand. Yeah, how was it? Oh, it was rough, innit? <laughs> probably remember some of it. Anyway. Probably joined in some of the, the fights that happened over there back then. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, Mulan, thank you for introducing yourself. But uh, on on this topic, I think one of the reasons I want to start um, with this is because I think parents to each and every person is a different. Uh, perspective or a different relationship some people you know some people unfortunately they don't speak to their parents some people have great relationships with their parents so i just want one thing that maybe your parents taught you i know you've already mentioned you know the influence of your father etc um but is there one thing that sort of stands out or one phrase you know that phrase that you always hear from one of your parents that just stands with you to this day and just help you through life in different situations different circumstances etc I guess one thing that, especially uh, during my upbringing, uh, especially me and my siblings, more specifically me because being the first son and the eldest in my family, so the first ones uh, are usually the experimental ones, you know, (laughs) you either make them or break them, (laughs) exactly, you would understand that, wouldn't you? So uh, one thing my father especially was more very careful with my upbringing was uh, choose your friends properly. Generally speaking, a person is how their friends are. Of course, yeah. And if their friends are up to no good, then generally mm-hmm. speaking, of course, the, the individual themselves being heavily influenced by them, they tend to acquire their traits as well. Yeah. And <clears throat> you know, he was very firm, especially in, in terms of discipline as well. So um, he made if if he did see me with uh, with a crowd that he wasn't particularly 
happy with. Yeah. He didn't shy away from telling me that, you know what, <laughs> get yourself out of the situation. I mean, he didn't say that, you know, uh, stop meeting them. At the end of the day, these individuals were family, you know, our yeah. Bengali yeah, yeah, community, yeah. we're all relatives one way or another. Hmm. But he did say, you know, be very careful. Yeah. And that, alhamdulillah, especially when I went to Madrasa, it really helped me out and it managed to, you know, uh, keep me stable all throughout my Madrasa life. So it's even when I came back home, I was still careful. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's worth mentioning just for our viewers, listeners. That Maulana is also a father. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, newly, newly father as well. Oh, sure. yeah. How so, old is your kid? It's uh, 11 months. Oh, sure. And, uh, Sleepless nights, yeah. Yeah, it's next. <laughs> oh, those first few nights. <laughs> I wish every father understands that. <laughs> so, obviously, Maulana, thank you for the insight, obviously, it's your mm-hmm. personal insight. So, just to sort of open this topic up a bit more, what does Islam say about parents? Like, what's the general sort of consensus around? We heard many hadiths, etc., but, what, you know, if you just give us like a summary sort of. Well, uh, <clears throat> obedience towards towards our parents isn't really a new thing. Mm. It's not even an Islamic thing. It's actually been around for quite a, for quite a few millennia. Mm-hmm. If you look in the Quran, the earliest uh, the earliest part which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions about obedience towards our parents is when He addresses the Bani Israel, the children mm. of Israel. That uh, when the, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had taken a, an oath or a promise from the children of Israel that uh, basically this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse he's basically uh, formalizing the entire Torah into a few words and the first objective was is that you worship no deity except Allah and the moving on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know he's elevated the status of the parents to such a level that after obedience towards him he commanded the children of Israel to be kind and compassionate and obedient towards the parents so mm-hmm. it's not really a new uh, fling that that's happened probably at the, uh, at the dawn of islam it's been around for millennium and it's actually really important uh, you could say chemical uh, for a child's upbringing to be yeah. obedient towards our parents because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created human beings for one purpose and that is obedience towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in order for us to fulfill the obligation the physical manifestation of a authority in our life that is worthy of our respect as well as our obedience should be who towards our parents yes. our parents at the end of the day when we were brought into this world they took care of us you know up until when we reached our adulthood and we were you know dependent on our own uh, two feet they fed us they educated us they gave us a roof over our heads they gave us clothing on our backs and you know when we needed emotional support financial support physical support mm-hmm. they were the first person there at the end so, of the day what, what, so just to put you on the on the spot why do you think there's um like you say being obedient to parent it's something that should be natural to us but these days um but even from like when we were kids growing up we've seen that it's not it's not something that's normal anymore is it, it you know no it isn't um, uh, why do you think that is? Is it because of the society that we're living in, or is it because? No, to re- to be rebellious is a is a natural uh, inclination of a human being anyway. Yeah. Um, that's that's a given fact. I mean, if we can be rebellious towards uh, towards Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, you know, transgress His laws or completely ignore them, as Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in the many verses of the Holy Quran He has mentioned, um, you know, especially on the verse that I've just mentioned, you know, that you turn your backs against the Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had uh, commanded to the children of Israel and that's what exactly they did to be rebellious is a natural thing and more specifically to be rebellious to a to an authority when we have our own power in our own hands when we are you know have some kind of dependency then it's even more so so maybe before maybe between age uh, five six seven when we have developed a bit of cognitive thinking until maybe about 15 um, we might be a bit submissive towards our parents. We we'll listen to them, etc. You know, we'll be scared of our danda, etc. Whatever, yeah. And we'll be a bit more respectful towards our mother. But after we, as soon as you hit your, you basically your puberty ages, basically, uh, after the age of sixteen, and this is when we're the rebellious years emerges out. And I've experienced it myself as even in madrasa times as well. Uh, Alhamdulillah, during my beginning few uh, years of my life, of course, I was quite, you could say, a good boy, as you can say, I tried to be a good boy. But as soon as I hit 16, this is when I thought, you know, I know what's best for myself. And that, the rebellious side of us just comes out. 
and I guess at that time we just have to uh, balance it out you know control our impulse to be disobedient by having this in mind that there's a huge repercussion and huge consequence for whatever I say and whatever I do with my actions that could hurt our parents in any manner or form and as long as we have that uh, perspective in mind then it should save us from a lot so of trouble. So when you became rebellious when you were 16, yeah? <laughs> was that because of the knowledge that you were gaining? Or uh, no, uh, to be honest, um, it was actually the crowd to be honest. Um, in my roommate of course I had a, a lot of London brothers and <laughs> I'm sure you've come across a few London brothers yourself to have an idea of uh, the amount of trouble yes. they can get up to and especially since they're just fresh off the street uh, it's not as if they, they were you know from 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 an early age fresh off the street they come into a madrasa environment and of course they're going to bring up some of their london side into our <laughs> yeah, rooms yeah. of course so um and the majority of my roommates were all londoners so uh unfortunately uh, there was a period of my time where i was kind of up to no good but i came to my senses when i saw how much trouble he was causing to my parents at one point um i was in such serious trouble that my principal had to call my father in and picture of course what my father you, you know <laughs> I'm not, uh, that's going to remain confidential i'm going to say that we'll unfortunately i'm spilling your secrets anyway um i just hope no one uses it against me of course uh, but as i said my father you know he kind of since seeing that i've never had like a bad record on my mother's life you know None of my teachers had any word to say against me. I was uh, I had my record clean and then yeah, spontaneously yeah. my principal just phoned my father and said, you have to come in, we have to discuss something about your son. So he was, you know, over, you know, you could say overcompensating how the situation was. And yeah, all the way through coming to Sunderland, he was <clears throat> literally in tears and he was so... With you in the car? Uh, no, no, like oh, okay. himself. Okay. And by the time he came to, uh, you could say, to the madrasa, I could just tell he was so tired and weary. Even though it's only one and a half, one and a half hour drive, I mean, and he was just so upset, and that just kind of you know, really affected me really deeply because at the end of the day, you know, uh, a children's inclination is to have the approval of a father. Yeah, and, I think uh, that is interesting, you know, um, because the example you've gave there, uh, where you've got a person that is obedient, um, you know, honest, respectful, goes into the wrong crowd, and suddenly, like one of the first things they're reacting is against their parents. And I think as a father figure, that's something that I worry about. You know, obviously my kids are growing up as well. Um, but just out of interest, how did you actually, you, you said you came to your senses. So how did you actually come to your senses? Did you come out of that crowd or was it your father, seeing your father being upset? Was it a combination of other factors that went outside? You could say it was a combination actually. Um, I guess seeing the, the profound effect that I had on my father and how upset he actually became. Um, it kind of uh, woke up the, you know, the, it put the lights on my head, you could say. Did your father, um, so the, how did your father react to you? To be honest, I was quite surprised. I was expecting a huge rebuke, you know. Yeah. Okay. Like he was going to give me a long lecture about this and that. And a really stern face, a bit maybe a bit, you know, uh, you know, echo in his voice, etc. But he was just, as I said, he was just so upset he couldn't get the words across to me. And okay. that more than anything else actually affected me because throughout my entire life, uh, my father was like my moral compass, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have to follow him the way he says, yeah. you know, stern face and whatnot. And to see him in, to, in such a vulnerable state, uh, you know, it really hit me. And it's, and I thought to myself, you know what, I need to get my act together, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so the first thing I guess what I did was um, I said a lot of no's to, to the crowd that I hanged out with. Uh, a lot of the things that they want to get up to, I just said, look, uh, you know, I'm already in trouble anyway, and I just don't want to do it uh, it's not as if i completely cut ties off yeah, them, yeah but i guess i i was more stern in my position i guess that's what's more important for it for a, for a, for an individual who has a friend circle that they have to assert their position within the crowd that look uh, i'm, I'm good right. with you guys I mean, yeah uh, on a lot of things but when it comes to no good then yeah, i'm gonna back out i'm sorry yeah and <laughs> you have to let the you know this position known as well or else they just take advantage of you and uh, I guess, you know, uh, I feel my friends, uh, they respected me even more for taking the stance, you know, uh, uh, and they eventually came to a point that they actually looked up to me, to be honest. No, that's really good. And that's yeah. really a valid point. So I'm just, I'm just going yeah. to... Yeah. You know, the, the big, you know uh, it shouldn't be the case. Well, I sort of kind of became like a source of stability in the room. You could say um, uh, I made sure that everyone was paying the fajr and I was waking up for fajr and whatnot. Um, making the rope to no good. 
and alhamdulillah i was more than happy to fulfill that role of course um so i kind of benefited from learning some sort of management as well yeah like like you mentioned Molana, it's not it has become the norm and as mama mentioned as well it has become the norm to sort of go against our parents at whatever age some 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 later some earlier mm. um but from an islamic and like a deen perspective what happens when you don't listen to them you know how does that affect your your deen how does that affect your your akhira etc so just from the islamic sort of standpoint oh well um there's there's various in, in the holy quran you know Allah you know you don't even say oof which is you know such a minor word but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, you know, amplified it to such an extent that, you know, this is even a grievous sin just to say yeah. off. You know, for us it's very minor. You know, I guess this is something that comes naturally for a lot of teenage or even <coughs> even younger nowadays especially. You know, nowadays the children are just <laughs> so <laughs> cheeky. Honestly, they're so cheeky. Wow. Marana, enjoy the, uh, enjoy your... It, I've got that in maktab anyway. <laughs> I've enough of that. Daughter, isn't a daughter? Uh, it's yeah. a son actually. That's a son, yeah, sorry. Yeah, enjoy your son being um, 11 months old. Uh, <laughs> that will change very rapidly. Uh, <laughs> I'm not looking forward for the next few years. Uh, so, um, yeah, so... Um, uh, what was it just about the hadith in it? Um, yeah, saying off. Uh, so uh, you, do, you do not even say off towards uh, our parents. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not only honoured the status of our parents by t- commanding us to be obedient towards them, but he has also, on the other side of the spectrum, he has he's told us the consequences and the grievous error that a person can uh, commit by saying such a you know, me- you know, less meaningful word. So it's very important that you know, we take this into consideration in how our interaction are with our parents. Now, in terms of what, what did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam say? You know, Abu Hurairah radiyallahu and he, his mother was a was a mushrik, a mushrika. You know, she didn't believe in Allah, she didn't believe in the Prophet. And as Abu Hurairah radiyallahu, he was in a serious dilemma. You know, on one side, I have a a Prophet that is more beloved to me than anything that I have in my life, but on the other side, my parents, uh, my mother more specifically, she she doesn't believe in the Prophet, and she's maybe advising me against following the Prophet so he approached Prophet with this huge conflict within himself wanting advice and subhanAllah Nabi the beauty of deen is such that you know it never harms anyone as long as we follow our teachings of the Prophet we will go through life without causing any harm in any manner or form to anyone whatsoever. And subhanAllah Nabi he said that despite her status as a mushrika, you are still commanded to be obedient towards her. You are still commanded to be compassionate and to be kind towards her. And even if she says harsh words against you, you still be, you know, take it on the chin like a man, you know, don't be a wuss and start being teary-eyed and all emotional, etc. You know, just take it on the chin and just uh, move through life, etc. So this is what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has uh, taught uh, well the first reaction should be now uh, what did Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa say on the uh, you could say uh, about the, the serious harm that can happen so it comes in a hadith to mind uh, I'm guessing it was in Musnad where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said you know there are two two sins that if a person if they commit it then uh, they have they suffer the consequence and the punishment of it in this in this world and the first one is al-baghi wal the first is transgression, transgression against the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can feel some sort of that punishment in this world. And of course, we'll find the majority of it in the hereafter. And the other one is disobedience towards our parents. And we have seen it, our society is suffering all, it all comes down to, you know, not having this familial structure within our own family where a, ch- a child is obedient towards their parents. And uh, when we do that, then, you know, we make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy. And then, of course, uh, coming back to the verse where I taught about Bani Israel, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala command after that? It said, وَذِلْ قُرْبَ You know, وَالْيَتَامَ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ In that order, you know, so as, as, we, as long as we are kind and obedient towards our parents, then the, the, the people around us, which, in, you know, includes our siblings, our aunties and uncles, and of course, as we grow older, our wives and our children, then we build a, a, a that same structure where we are always respectful towards them, making sure that we are fulfilling their rights, etc. More than so my own. And in this manner, this is how a society develops. But if you break that bondship right from the very beginning, which is, you know, uh, the relationship between a child and the, and, and, and the parents, then all other relationships just becomes, you know... Okay. It becomes all, you know, it's, it's all mess. It becomes a mess. 
you know that's where we can't interact with uncles and aunties we're always jealous or envious of our siblings and we're arguing over you know petty things or you know we're not going to speak to them for many years whatsoever and then when we get married we're not getting along with my wife you know that means i need to get divorced etc and then this has a another you know side effect on the children you know yeah. when the children see parents arguing and this is when they grow up and they say oh, you know what this is what parent adults do you know adults they always argue and they take that onto their shoulders they take it into their life you know scientists have actually uh, I forgot I forgot which scientist it was but they did an experiment on rats and they said that if you break the familial bond between uh, uh, the rat and the mother rat and and the babies it has an effect of it three generations after wow. so our children their children and maybe possibly even their children and they will feel the effects of our own action and the way we interact yeah. with our parents right now so that's yeah. why it's so important i, mean, uh, I remember um, that this story is always stuck in my head um about disobedience so there was a story about an old man who was being dragged a distance then he went and complained to the sheikh and said look what my son is doing to me he's dragging me this far like this distance he's he's being very disobedient so the sheikh um you know he obviously told the son off but he told someone else to find out um how the elderly had treated his father and what they found was that elderly man had dragged his own father in the same way many years ago so and that was like a consequence of him being disobedient to his own father same thing happened to him exactly that his son was dragging him along so it's the same distance it's it's been described in a very simplified manner with this huge wisdom behind it yeah know? and you know the the elders that were wherever they say they're not just talking meaningless talk they're actually <clears throat> you know passing on huge amount of wisdom onto us lessons uh, you mentioned the one on actually building that family like the family structure and then the cohesion within a family how do you do that whilst maintaining obviously as a new father you're going to want to discipline your child you know but at the same time show them that you love them etc at old school would be like just shout at them and then later on when they're older you know <laughs> then you start to like, like them yeah. you know i think um, um so how do you actually sort of build that bond where you've got the line of respect but also you you've you know you can i, I guess um uh, i've actually read uh, quite um quite a few you could say psychological books as soon as i became a parent of course i read a few psychological <laughs> books on parenting uh, both islamic perspective as well as from non muslim islamic perspective as well so there was this um psychiatrist um his name was Jordan Peterson um probably heard about yeah. it um um so one of the things that i mentioned that actually quite stuck out to me was is that between the age of when they're born up until the age of 4 or 5 this is basically the time especially more specifically for fathers for mothers of course allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put this kind of natural love and this ability to nurture the you know her child and it comes very naturally for them majority of the times illa mashallah of course but much most of the time it it comes because the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself has said to his companions that the mother possesses a fraction of the rahmat from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, but for fathers it, it takes a bit of a time you know um i remember when my colleagues asked me like how does it feel like to be a father and i say it still hasn't hit me yet you know <laughs> so for mothers it's immediate like you know i need to you know over bearing you know protective and whatnot for for the father it's like Oh crap you know I actually got a child now. <laughs> yeah I remember when I used to carry my nephews and nieces and they'd be like okay you know you know play around with them for a few minutes and then like, right give it to the mother and father <laughs> you know and it's like a who you know it's not my duty <laughs> but now it's like you, you got a child now in your hand and it's not like a, a you know few minutes thing or a half an hour thing it's basically mm. for the entire lifetime now yeah so now now you have to plan it you have to plan how you want your relationship with your son so with with your child so alhamdulillah i've got a, i've got a decent relationship with my father but i would like to improve upon that mm-hmm. especially when it comes to my son and especially with you know how the the mahol and the environment is nowadays is even more important that i actually invest uh, more time so as i said of uh, coming back to jordan peterson where he mentions between the age of 1 of 4 this is the time where it's more specific for fathers they have to uh, you could spend time Mm. Uh, of course they don't have that cognitive thinking to actually interact with you but as i said to build that you know the bondship and the love uh, uh, and to take on that responsibility on the on the father's shoulders that you know this child that i have is 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 more than just a moral obligation that you know i have to clothe him and feed him it's more than that you know he's, this person this child is might be uh, is the foundation of this you know the generations after you know yeah. for my own grandchildren for the community after 
And if I want my community and my family to succeed, then I have to start off from my own child. And between the age of one and four, this is where you develop it. You know, st- staying around with them as much as you can, play around with them as much as you can. And this is where the father's uh, um, love for the child extends to more than just moral obligation. Now it becomes, you know, heavily a uh, heavy investment inside of it. So between age one and four, uh, we try to spend as much time as we can. You know, of course, yes, of course, we do have financial responsibilities to to meet. And I'll be honest, when I come back from work at two p.m. from six p.m. to two p.m., I'll come back. I'm just knackered. You know, I just I just want to rest <laughs> and then coming back. I've got muktab again at five to five o'clock. So I do want to rest, but you know, I just have to force myself. You know. My child is only 11 months, but I still take out the time to you know, sit on the floor and just like throw a small ball at him and he throws it back to me. You know, probably hits my face and everything, but that's fine. But as I said, this is the time where I need to develop my relationship and my love for my child and it starts yeah. off from and early on. And then once we develop that, then after the age of four, of course, uh, there are the tactics, you know, yeah. uh, you probably heard about uh, what well, Hazrat Ali when he says that from the age of seven, this is when you start putting discipline reactions yeah. into their life, you know, command them, encourage them to pray namaz. And then once they reach the age of maybe like 10 or 11, this is when you, you show a more firm stance. And then after the age of 15, this is where you try to be their best friends. So yeah. the structure and the layout has already been laid out for us. We just have to put in the more finer details on how to do it. And Alhamdulillah, we live in a society where resources are available. You know, subhanAllah, there's, there's a lot of parents who, mashallah, who have successfully endeavoured to bring up their children in a, in a good manner. We can always ask them for advice. We're not alone, to be honest. Yeah. So do you and think a relationship between a parent and a child is more dependent on the parent or the child? Uh, especially in the beginning years, it's the parents, of course. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason why Allah subhanahu wa elevated the status of a, of a parent's as long as they fulfill the, 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 the obligations towards the child, then this is where the status in the eyes of a child also elevates. And we've seen it as well, you know, uh, especially more specifically for fathers. Our, our stars always to say that, <clears throat> you know, uh, the child, especially when it comes to the father, they don't want, you know, the branded clothes and the Ralph Roller and all. They don't want the Nike shoes or the Air Jordans. What they more like from, the, especially when it comes to their fathers, is the time spent and... <clears throat> and especially in my early childhood, um, that that is what actually more you know stood out for me. I remember one time our, our father took us to a theme park, and that's that that memory is just so vivid because that was like one of the only earliest memories I can remember where he was fully interactive, you know, fully focused on mm. us, uh, more so than any other time uh, that I, that I could remember, of course. Yeah. And yeah, so interaction with our with our children especially in the early years is is very essential it's very uh it's it's very important and as i said it's it's more than just moral obligation in in catering them we shouldn't just cater them we should be actually invested in what they're up to what they're doing you know how they're feeling and i know it sounds very tedious and and it's it's like an extra burden and and an extra work you know we've already got so much you know crap on our head with fulfilling bills and taxes and you know getting work and you know making sure that there's a roof over our heads and whatnot uh, but as i said uh, in, in the long run uh, it's it's you'll see the invest the investment for it will will see the benefit of it uh, but as i said we just have to force ourselves especially for young parents as i say young parents they don't have the answers you know just on the tip of their fingers and it doesn't come naturally for them this takes time cultivating it in a manner that you know, we can see the the fruits of it. So, um, so what was your, what 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 points were you actually pointing out? To be honest, I mean, I've just given like an overview, uh, a scheme. But I, think, I don't know. This is one of the things I was thinking of. But you know, for those that have surpassed the age of one to four and they're older, and the, mm-hmm. you know, they say that investment hasn't been made by the parents or the child. You know, in the younger mm-hmm. uh, days. How does someone rekindle that relationship? Not just Islamically, but also just on a social perspective. Mm. Okay. In, in we'll, we'll have to call Moran back after um, his child's 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Different uh, perspective. <laughs> I will mean, see where you come into the picture in the morning. Uh, although I, said, uh, I don't have first-hand experience, but if, if Alhamdulillah, my father is still alive. And yeah. even though I might not have that intimate collect, you know, connection that I would have wanted with my father, but looking especially in, uh, especially how it is now, 
um, I guess now because both parties they have cognitive thinking, you know, they are able to function, they are able to make uh, decisions uh, uh, depending on their perspective. Uh, now it comes down to is is communication, I guess. You know, uh, the more we communicate with our parents, uh, the more we can overcome a lot of boundaries that are normally uh, put on us, especially from a cultural perspective. You know, as I said, coming from uh, culturally thinking, our fathers seem to be this. You know, we, we picture them on a very high standards, you know, they're, they're uncorruptible and, you know, they're undefeatable and, you know, that's what we like to think as when we're, when we're children. As we grow older, of course, uh, you know, all that weakness is, is starting to show. Uh, but I guess this is the tipping point where, you know, the weakness as well as the, the strength, we start to respect that. And this is where we have tried to have a meaningful conversation outside of like, <laughs> no, no, you don't interact with them. Alhamdulillah, yeah. uh, for my father, especially when I came back from, because I went one year's Jamaat. Alhamdulillah. So when I came back from Jamaat, uh, one of the systems that I implemented in our household was Ta'aleem, uh, half an hour, 10 15 minutes at the beginning, then it extended to half an hour. And Ta'aleem was such a huge, you know, you could say, uh, a huge focus point for me specifically and as for as well as for my siblings as well because I made sure my brothers also joined in as well and my father he loves Dini talk you know the more you talk about Dini talk Alhamdulillah mm. that was something I could find uh, something in common with him that and cars, he loves cars. <laughs> so I would talk about cars I would talk about Dean as well so this is where children and you know parents they should find the middle ground on how they can converse okay find what, what they have something in interest in common and Inshallah, they can develop that relationship, and then of course, then you touch about you touch about Dean. You touch, you know, you slowly implement the teachings of Dean. What they say about what are the responsibilities of children, what are the responsibilities of parents, and then you try to find a common ground on how you can, you know, implement them in our life, and then this is how you know you start to cultivate a meaningful relationship. Inshallah. So some golden advice there, Mashallah. But um. Let's put it to the extreme. So we live now in a generation where forget about having an open relationship or communicating with your parents. People are more inclined towards having the parents to care homes. Oh, yeah, that's a, it's, it's a sad reality, to be honest. I mean, um, uh, especially if I, if I talk about, you know, my parents, of course, they, they, they were they were willing to, they were fagul for their parents, you would say, you know. Uh, they, they they love their parents, uh, and although their parents were, you know, especially my dada and daddy, you know, back in them homes, you know, yeah. they were very strict. But as I said, they, they loved their parents. And when my daddy did pass away, uh, no, sorry, uh, before she passed away, she was ill a lot. You know, she fell into coma she, she a few was, times. Was she here yeah, in the UK. Yeah, okay. yeah, in the UK. Uh, she fell into coma a few times, and it was so awe-inspiring seeing how my uncles were always there for her uh, whenever she whenever she needed them. Uh, financially, one of my uncles gave her a home, uh, you know, uh, uh, purchased a house and gave it to her uh, for, for her to stay in. My auntie basically stayed with her until the day she, she departed from this world, of course. So it was very it was very inspirational seeing how they had taken care of their parents. And, you know, I'm guessing they did it with this in mind, how the saying goes that, you know, how you treat your parents, your children also. Yeah. Uh, treat you and alhamdulillah inshallah as, as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me strength I will also take care of my, take care of my father uh, when he becomes vulnerable as well alhamdulillah right now you know he's still strong he's cycling around <laughs> and whatnot. so I've got, I've got a few years left but, but as I said, inshallah I'm hoping that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will still uh, give me the ability to take care uh, the thing with care homes is is that especially living in the UK uh, I'm, I don't know for sure, but I have not come across a care home that is facilitated by Muslims, you could say. Yeah. Especially in this, in Sunderland, you know, it's all non-Muslim. It's, yeah. it's run yeah. by non-Muslims. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's very, very unfortunate that we're so willing to send our parents in an environment, especially in the final years of their life. Yeah. In the final years of their life where they should be devoted with eating with halal, and making sure their earnings is also halal and making sure that you know they're in a state of tahara and you know obedience etc we're, we're sending them to an environment where they're intermingling with other people that you know they come from a, a lifetime of transgression mm-hmm. a, a lifetime of uh, disbelief and they've been catered for and taken care of course you know uh, you know I'm not refuting that they're not taking care of the, yeah, of course, the yeah. patients but it's, it's the fact that they you know they're being, their body is being washed, they're being 
uh, taken to the bathroom maybe by non-muhram women or even non-muhram men uh, you know and this is not the state that our parents should depart from this world yeah, of course. you know yes. the last thing we want is them not to be even able to say the la kalima before they depart from the world but Maron just to ask you a question then um, on something along those lines so like something that um, I get constantly asked is what is the expectation of of the parents when especially when your child gets married and has their own family are they expected to live with the parents because obviously we know we have to take care of our parents especially when they reach uh, elderly age but what is the guidelines for you know, people in that uh, this is where we, we start pointing fingers and whose responsibility <laughs> yeah. is so uh, say for example from a son's okay so if a parent has a son now the son will say it's, it's my wife's responsibility you know uh, she's going to take care of my parents but then the wife will pull out and say you know what it's not my responsibility i don't have to take care of your parents it's your daughter it's your sister's and the daughters will be like, it's not my responsibility because I have to take care of my uh, my family, my yeah. husband and my children, etc. And then this leaves the the parents stranded on where they're gonna, who they're gonna look towards yeah. to. And this is where they get sent to care homes. But to be on on an official state, the scholars state that it's it's the obligation of the of the male son. The male son is their duty to take care of their parents. Okay, with the, with this with the daughters. Uh, they can help out, of course, you know, for, in Fabiha, you know, it's even more better that they can take care. But her first main priority, most specifically, is actually towards her husband and her children. But for, for, the, for, the, for the sons, if they, of course, if the parents do have sons, of course, the scholars state that it is their duty uh, financially and physically to take care of their children. So um, if they're physically able and, uh, and more specifically even more financially stable, stable enough to actually cater for them, then to be honest, they don't have any excuse at all. They can't just say, you know, I can't take care, etc. So uh, that's just being very lazy. Maybe. So you know, the, 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 the common thing amongst, especially amongst our Bengali culture has always been that you live with your parents, you die with your parents, you look after your parents. But, mm-hmm. And obviously that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. And it has its, you know, pros and cons. Yeah. But what is the Islamic guidance in terms of, um, say, a, a young person gets married yeah. and they then decide they want to stay away from the parents just for, you know, maybe for convenience, for personal reasons or whatever. What is their obligation or how do they then fulfill that role of um, looking after their parents? Uh, look, uh, uh, you know, uh, as as much as Allah Hope your father's not listening. No, 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 no worries, but oh, <laughs> I'm troubled if he's, you know. Oh my gosh. Um, to, to be honest, look, look uh, as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, you know, given us the importance of uh, the status of a parent, it's not a, you know, what's that word, totalitarian relationship. Yeah. You know, that they have full control over what we say, etc. Uh, uh, there are boundaries, there are limits to how much our parents has control over our life. So, uh, the, you could say uh, the principle is, is that as long as our decision does not hurt our parents directly or even indirectly, Okay. Um, it doesn't matter if they're happy or not, as long as it doesn't really harm them at all, then we don't. It's not classified as disobedience to not actually listen to them. So, especially when you mention about living together. Yeah. Now, living together, if it causes an inconvenience, you know, in terms of you know, especially compatibility, no compatibility. If, yeah. the, if, the, if there's more arguments, etc., and the best way around that is to actually maybe live uh, separately then uh, it's not it's not really counted as disobedient to override what our parents say uh, in order to come up, come out of a more uh, beneficial outcome mm. but what is important is that communication is important you know yeah. we don't just you know disregard whatever they are saying and then just you know pack our bags and say you know what i'm i'm just going to i'm going to leave you etc yeah. no of course not this is not what it Dean is teaching us Dean is teaching us to communicate come to a middle ground mm-hmm. you know come to a compromise you know, speak with our parents. At the end of the day, they've taken care of us from a young age. They want what's best for us. And, you know, as long as we give them the assurance that, you know, just me living apart does not mean I'm going to forget you. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to completely disregard you and I'm going to only take care of my parents. You know, especially in Asian culture. You know, yeah. Our parents would actually like that assurance that, you know, they're not going to be forgotten. Mm. You know, uh, and if they do need uh, some financial help, or even physical help, we are there available for them to help them. Yeah, I'm sure they, they won't mind. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to what you were saying before about the story about the mushrika. You know, um, 
Prophet still advised uh, it was Abu Huraira yeah, to be you know nice to her, but even though she didn't believe in in the Prophet or Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or in Allah, um, he was advised to be polite to her. So and if you're going to be polite to someone, you have to have good communication. Otherwise, yeah, you can't. Yeah, of course, <laughs> we need to learn how to socialize properly yeah. as well, and especially with our parents, we really need to keep a lid on our temper. You know, it's not something that we can just spontaneously. As I said, there's a grievous. Uh, sin behind even saying off to our parents and bearing that in mind of course whatever serious conversation that we are going to have with our parents sit down and make sure just have this hadith in mind yeah you know uh, that i just don't suddenly burst out saying something yeah. some sort of verbal <laughs> abuse and unfortunately it's, it's coming to this case i mean just recently i was uh, sort of uh, sorting out this refute between the children and the parents and the son was actually attempting to punch uh, was uh, was attempted to punch and uh, in, in the locality, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say that much. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a very sad state of uh, you know affairs that you know it's coming to verbal abuse nowadays. Uh, if if it wasn't for the elder brother that came in between and kind of pushed the uh, push the push the kid away, of course. Uh, you know, uh, Subhanallah, I couldn't I believe my eyes that I was actually witnessing this. And um. So what kind of society are we, you know, building our foundation on with people, with, with, with you could say, with young brothers and sisters, maybe, uh, who, you know, don't have, who have disregarded their parents to such an extent that, you know, they're willing to, you know, have yeah, a tug of war with them physically. Yeah. I mean, like, like they would on the streets, you know, yeah. with some, uh, maybe some Goro or some Muslim, etc. Uh, you know, when they grow up, I just, I can't, it's mind-boggling. I just, I just can't <laughs> so, yeah. imagine. So on, that, on the on the different perspective on that same situation, Malana. Say for example, um, like newly married couple. I'm a newly married couple. Oh, ish, so I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> from my to bring up everybody. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, she's listening. So, uh, but like, how do young people sort of? Obviously, you're a newly new father. Like, how do you mm. sort of prepare yourself for that journey that you're about to embark on? Because, like you said, things that you do, for example, in the past will affect your future, the way you treat your parents, mm. you know, your child, etc. Yeah. What are sort of the core <laughs> values? Obviously, you mentioned you read psychology books, Islamically, uh, from a standpoint, and uh, non-Muslim uh, non as well. But like, what can you do to sort of prepare yourself for that journey? Because obviously, the cop-out answer would be, you don't know until you have kids. But mm. like, what are the things like, not just, because uh, obviously, Islamically as well, there's du'as to read, um, to ask for righteous children, uh, righteous off offspring, etc., um, etc. Et what else can you do to sort of prep yourself for that? Um, uh, I guess if if you're a newly parent, of course, if if you're young enough, then uh, you you have a, a lifetime to develop certain traits mm -hmm. where you know you can prepare yourself for for the life that is going to emerge. So uh, on one of the chapters in uh, Jordan Peterson's book, Twelve Rules for Life, he mentions the antidote for chaos. Yeah. Uh, the antidote <clears throat> for chaos is to is is for is for parents not to be overbearingly protective of the children but to allow them to be exposed to the danger of life. Uh, you know, so what you said was, if, they, if, they, if they're on a skateboard, then allow them to skateboard. And even if they, you know, gain, you know, injuries, etc., and that's fine. You know, allow them to explore, you know, you know push, tough, push tough to love. them. Tough love, as you said in it, you know, <laughs> you know, push to their limits. So that, you know, as they grow up, they understand, not with this naive sense of, uh, uh, thinking that the world is there to protect me and etc. But actually, in reality, there is a hard life. Hmm. So you know we have to have a. Uh, the parents will have a tough uh, you know part where they have to balance being uh, caring and compassionate, but at the same time, giving the tough love as well, yeah. so that uh, they can prepare themselves. And when the, when the when the children see their parents interacting with them in such a manner, very open relationship etc then as they grow up when the harder decisions of life comes so as you mentioned like you know when it comes to marriage you know living apart etc then it's not a hard burden on these children okay it's not hard mm. for them to you know sit down and say you know what pops here you know and to leave the house you know <laughs> it's, it's it's being overcrowded and it's just causing too much awkwardness etc and and the father would be in a position to not be like, yeah, I'm gonna go for you. Know, he's not gonna say that. He's gonna say, you son, you know what? I understand. Uh, yeah. It's understandable. Okay, you do need help. You know, they they probably even give you some sort of uh, financial means of support, etc. Uh, unfortunate if you do if you don't have that relationship, and that's what I want for my son. To be honest, you know, I want my son uh, for me to develop that kind of relationship where he can just be open and apparent 
uh, what he needs. And I will start back in 2005, he said that. Yeah. You know, with your children, you need to be on your best friend level. You know, that's how you need to be. You can't be the stern father, etc. Well, was a manager again. You know, that, that's a, that time has gone past, you know, how the grandfathers were. And nowadays, you have to be uh, a, a very open and apparent. Uh, or else, they'll just look towards other people. If they can't yeah. find that solace and that... Uh, uh, that stability inside of you they're just going to find it somewhere else and that's the last thing that we want yeah um now moving on to if you if, for example like our current situation uh where i, I wasn't really brought up in that scenario where i can be very open and empowering with my parents but that's fine it's okay um i guess this is where we from from the beginning we i guess we draw the line on how much obedience we are going to show and we have to be we have to give a logical explanation and maybe you know back it up with some kind of Islamic scholarly quotes as well. And I'm sure you know once we sit down with our parents and say you know I'm making my decision not solely on an on an impulse, mm. but there are so many variables as to why I've made that decision and why it will be more beneficial if we follow this type of logic. Yeah. And then I'm sure our parents they're not they're not irrational. They're, of course they'll eventually come to their maybe senses. And maybe I'm being optimistic <laughs> over here. But as I said, if parents are not, are not irrational, as you say, but they are emotional. <laughs> they're emotional. That's that's to be given. But as yeah. I said, if 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 that's not possible, if we can't give you know put that word in our mouth forward, then we can always ask someone else. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. explain the situation yeah. to them and bring a third uh, party into the picture. Yeah, and you know, there'll be the bridge between the both of us. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. one final question for me before we, um, we close down the session, Mona. So, as you go on your journey of your fatherhood, so you you will also be um, introduced to this uh, concept. So, um, I remember we used to have this machine on constantly. How many times is your mother better than your father? Oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> Three times, yeah. So, yes. just for our listeners, can you explain why is it uh, Professor Rasulullah has given the mother more importance in the hadith compared to the father? That three, you know, um, they refer to the mother three times. Uh, and well, if you can, yeah, stay away from that nasheed from your wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I mean, that'll become the favorite. Uh, as, as a scholar, I've got that understanding <laughs> why. You know, my, my son might be the favorite, uh, you know, his favorite parent would be the mother, etc. <laughs> but that's fine, I'm happy with the, uh, no, no, the, the teachers, etc. Uh, you know, it, it's clearly stated in the Quran as well, was saying in San Mubali the Ahsana, that uh, Allah SWT has commanded uh, mankind to be obedient towards their parents. And then he mentions the, the status quote of uh, the of the mother. Uh, kurha wa kurha. You know, the, the mother, they carried the child within their womb. For many months uh, with a lot of difficulties kurha is basically difficulty and this is Allah SWT is talking about difficulty so it's unimaginable unless you're a mother yourself to understand you know the burden and the and the and the you know the state of affairs that happens when a mother carries the child in their womb you know i've seen my, my wife you know throughout the nine months pregnancy and I'm like, oh my gosh, man. <laughs> uh, so it's understandable uh, um to a to a level it's understandable they do go through a lot of uh, difficulties and then when it comes to the actual labor as well giving birth to a child yeah. that's on a different level as well you know i was remember i remember one of the siha kitabs uh, we came across this hadith where this uh, one of this man he, he he was carrying his mother on, on his back yeah and he was coming for hajj you know hajj 47 degrees no ac that time etc you know all pebbles and sands is going through your clothes is seeping through your skin and you know you're hungry and you're thirsty you know, we didn't have, you know, like water pumps available like there is in today's time. And in that difficulty, he was carrying his mom, he's doing his hajj, he's doing his tawaf. And he comes to the Prophet and he says, have I fulfilled the obligation of my parent? And he said, what? That you have not even fulfilled one scream of your mother. Yeah. You know, that one moment where your mom screamed, giving birth to you, you have not even, you know, come close to fulfilling that. And, you know, uh, so uh, there's, there's a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has given so much um, honor and uh, uh, status and respect towards the mother more so than the father. And in fact, it's, it's three times, you know, if, yeah. if, if a father has one right, then the mother has, uh, uh, you know, three more. So uh, in, in terms of our relationship, especially uh, in that manner, uh, because of a, of a mother's vulnerability, you know, that's why, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded uh, the children to uh, take care of, of the needs of the mother. 
um, I'm not saying like over the father or anything, but uh, you could say a more closer eye towards uh, the mother. The father, of yeah, course, yeah. being a man, I'm not being a sexist over here, of course, by <laughs> saying, you know, you're incapable of something. But physically uh, and mentally, uh, a bit more, there's a bit more stability and a bit more strength uh, in them also than the mother. So um, I'm not saying that you, you start to treat the mother more. No, no, it's not, it's not that. Of course, yeah. Yeah, in terms of respect and, uh, and honor, and uh, etc. Uh, fulfilling the rights, we, they're all equal. But in terms of our capacity to love, of course, it's it's always gonna it's gonna be the mother more so than the father. Yeah. And that's that's you could say that's a natural, natural exactly, feeling yeah. anyway. Maran, so we've got some questions from our listeners. Um, if we have wronged our parents, how can we mend our relationship with our parents? As I say, it all comes down to meaningful conversations. I mean. Uh, uh, I guess what we the last thing we want is for our parents to do badwa against us. And uh, there was this hadith where uh, this man he came and complained to one of the companions, and he said that my son. Oh, sorry, Imam Ghazali in Ulum. So one man came to uh, uh, Imam Ghazali and he said that my my son is always uh, disobedient towards me. And he said, "Have you in any moment of your life given badwa against him? You know, have you cursed him anything?" And he said yes, and he said you ruin your child. So for, from a from a from a parent's perspective, we should be very careful on how we words. We don't. We shouldn't say very uh, you know uh, what's it, illicit words or abusive words to our parents because they have long term uh, effects in their life. So this is from a first perspective we should avoid, and from a children's perspective, you know we should avoid any any manner of form that displeases our parents. So how to mend that relationship? Of course, um, if you if you're if you're on a level where you know the parents can't even see your face, say for example, yeah. okay. Uh, but at the end of the day, that doesn't mean you st- you you give up. You still constantly visit them. You, at the very least, you say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. You know, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said that a person who says salam, you know, Allah develops that loving uh, bondship. So, uh, you know, so we say at the very least, we say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. If, if you can't have any other conversation, we pass that on. And then, you know, slowly chip away at that shield or wall that our parents have uh, uh, that might develop because of whatever scenario. And eventually, you come to a point where, yes, they might say very angry words against us. You know, once you chip away at that wall, this is where the dam bursts. And this is where every wrong, well, supposedly wrong thing that we've done. Uh, in their life, that will come out of the mouth, and we just have to take it on the chin, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, just listen to it, absorb it, take all that you know uh, negativity, whatever they're going to say, and then you know, in a calmly manner, just say, okay, um, I ask for forgiveness, etc. Okay, now how can we move on forward from now on? You know, are you just going to ignore me, or is there a, a way that I can gain your approval eventually? Yeah. Okay. So all it takes is is consistent and communication. Uh, communication. Um, we had another question, but this question was: If our parents are no longer here, i.e., hostile, and we have wronged them, how can we make up for that? Um, in terms of that question, our question, go and listen to our podcast last week. Yeah, wasn't wasn't here. Probably yeah, yeah. mentioned that. Well, uh, you know, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam stated in a hadith very clearly that the best deeds. Uh, to do after, say, for example, our parents fa- passes away, is to be in good communication with uh, their friends. Yeah. So uh, be in good terms with them. Visit them whenever we can. If they need financial or emotional or whatever uh, assistance they need, then we uh, we fulfill that obligation. If our parents have departed, of course, then we visit their graves. Uh, we try to set up some kind of a uh, charity uh, foundation where you know they gain consistent rewards. Uh, from our endeavor and this way for the for their akhirah you know they have an investment to show um <clears throat> we, we always consistently make dua for them we ask for allah's forgiveness for every transgression and disobedient moment that we have had in our life and in this manner inshallah if allah wills then whatever transgression that has been caused between us and our parents in their lifetime allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, will turn a blind eye towards it uh, in the hereafter Insha'Allah. So, to add on to a point before, um, say for example, a child can't like suppress his anger or like, hold his tongue in front of his mother or father. Uh, what advice would you give him uh, to like calm uh, down? Well, uh, to be blunt, you'll you'll have to keep your tongue. You'll have to keep your 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 you could say 
your, your act together you're gonna have to uh, uh, put a lid on that temper and you just have to just listen you know j uh, you, you come across a lot of people that say you know I can't do this uh, you know I have a quick temper and whatnot etc and that's okay uh, that's fine you know humans are quick tempered you know we're, we're very impulsive etc but the what matters is that we have control over that and yes that control is going to be very very difficult uh, but that's where practice comes into the picture we have to practice uh, before we put our you know, put ourselves in that situation, we have to have uh, develop that ability to control our temper. You know, before I was married, uh, you could say I was quite temperamental. I was very quick to anger. But you know, especially when you go when you're married and when you when you hear things like uh, divorce, I don't even want to say the word divorce because it's it's very 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 uh, very very vulnerable. You know, to so if I was angry and in a in a state of anger, I was to utter these kind of words. Then that's it. It's it's a you know irreplaceable relationship between me yeah. and my wife. So in that scenario, I had to literally uh, come to a conclusion that you know I have to develop the ability to just stay quiet, uh, control that temper, and Alhamdulillah, it's, it's benefited me. So pre-marriage, uh, you know, I started to work on it, and then after I got married. Yes, you know, me and my wife, we did come into a few arguments, etc. But as I said, uh, I, I followed a, f a set of schemes that uh, enabled me to avoid that anger completely. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if you're angry, if you're standing up, then sit down. If you're sitting down, then lie down. If you're lying down and you're still angry, go to wuzu. So SubhanAllah, Islam has already taught us a means where we can take ourselves away from that situation of anger. All we have to do is adapt it yeah, and, so and make it our principle as well. So I suppose um, the best way to... To kind of um, resolve that situation would be to focus on yourself first mm. in yeah. terms of training yeah. yourself to control your feelings and your emotions. Yeah. Once you're in that state, then go and interact with yeah. your parents or whoever it is, yeah. so that you 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 you're not you're not having to battle with yourself and your parents at the same time. Yeah, and that's a difficult thing to uh, to face. If you don't have control of ourselves, then the outcome is, of course, it's going to be very terrible. Mm. So it's important that we avoid that completely. Um, <coughs> my last question, Mulana, is um, I'm not going to let you go home today. Yeah. <laughs> As a new father, what's the what was? Always there be many things, but what's one thing that scares you about bringing your child up in this sort of world, this environment? You mentioned it a couple of times in a few different points, but you know, what's one thing that does scare you about? The world that you're going to raise your child up in and how are you planning to combat that and obviously you mentioned communication etc i guess uh, the one thing i'm worried about is um is the, is the day when you know uh, um you could say my child would maybe backchat against me hmm. or you know show that rebellious side that when I'm, they learn to speak <laughs> yeah or when they when they have their own voice and you know they develop certain characteristics that you know yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy with that. Mm. So I guess that's the that's the one thing that I'm really, uh, uh really worried about. And I guess uh, I put myself, uh, you know, can say peace. I get content of mind by thinking this way that, you know, this child is is not there for me to, uh, gain gain some kind of benefit from. Yes, if I do get benefit, then that's 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 a better, that's a ni'mat from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But primarily, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given our children as a trust. You know, it is our duty to read them, give them the best possible life, show them what is actual success, not the success that you find in monetary possessions and worldly artifacts, etc. But actual possession is developing connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as long as I can teach my child that, uh, uh, um, after whatever whatever happens after that, at least I have peace of mind that, you know, I've fulfilled my obligation yeah. towards my child. Um if, of course, if it turns out to the, be to be the other case, as Ali radiallahu anhu says, that if you follow his his, his scheme of, yeah. of, of bringing a child, if they're bad, then you're not held responsible, you're not yeah. accountable for it. And if they're good, of course, you're right, right, Sorry, this it. is the last question. So, listeners, <laughs> no more questions. One wants to get home as well. Um, last question is, if our children wrong us, does that mean we as parents have gone wrong somewhere? To be blunt, um, if we haven't invested uh, um, a, a moment, uh, uh, of course, parents have invested some moments where of course, they send them to maktab, etc. But if there hasn't been any heavy investment into the development of their character, one thing is nurturing them, you know, giving them food and giving them shelter. Another thing is, is cultivating manners for them and disciplining for them. That takes a, a whole lot of effort from the parent's side. If that wasn't there from a, from an early age, 
then uh, unfortunately to be blunt yes it is you could say the parents fault uh, for not cultivating those kind of manners and discipline and characteristics that they wouldn't be facing as the way uh, they are facing now however on the other side if they have done that and despite you know investing a lot of resources from their own time and from their own money and they're still coming out to be on the other side of you know the wall then uh, it's 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 something that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we just have to accept it you know we make dua for them one thing that we should always do is utilize dua you know a dua salah al-mu'min this is a, a a tool a very powerful tool for a believer so powerful that it can change the qadr you know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preordained for us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can change it in light of uh, our dua so parents dua even more there is no barrier at all between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala especially in terms of uh, their children so make lots and lots of dua for for their children and inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala will elevate whatever problems they are facing inshallah it's been a pleasure having you on Allah for hosting me as well and um, a very great privilege some proper golden advisors there man uh, i don't know about golden but <laughs> <laughs> i leave that to the audience <laughs> no seriously zakala and uh, um any final comments anyone mm. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Welcome, Zakir. Yeah, no, Zakir. Yeah, no, Zakir. Ye